0: Shkar. It's Durga Puja, though the mother is hidden by the board. <laughs> um, all right. So, today in the morning we had a ritualistic worship of the Divine Mother. And now the worship will be non ritualistic through, through knowledge. But remember, especially in light of what we are going to study here. It is the same reality which is approached through knowledge, through devotion, through ritual, through meditation. That's the idea we have got here. Because what we are going to do right now is going to dismiss all of this. The Mandukya Karika. So uh, we must not hold on to the, the either or paradigm. This is right and everything else is wrong. Um, okay. That's what he's going to say. This is right and everything else is wrong. <laughs> Alright. Let's start with the peace chant and then we'll go on. Om Bhadram karṇe Shrinu Devah Bhadram Pashe Makshabherya Jatra Sthirai Rangai Tushtvagum Sastano vya śe deva hitay yadayu svastina indro vṛddha śravāḥ svastina pūṣā viśva vedāḥ svastina stārkṣyo ariṣṭaneemiḥ svastino ōṁ śāntiḥ shanti, shanti, shanti. We are doing the Mandukya Karika, the second chapter, where Gaudapada is trying to justify the non-dualistic claim that Brahman alone, existence, consciousness, bliss alone is the reality and the entire universe is an appearance. He's trying to justify it on the basis of logic, on the basis of reasoning. What do you mean that, that the entire universe which we experience, that this is an appearance, appearance of what? And how is it not real? Um, So the verses which we did was 17 and 18. We did 17 and 18 last time? 17? We didn't do 18? Oh, because 17 and 18 should be done together. I think I mentioned 18 at the end. Yes, 17 and 18. As in 17 we did, uh, it says that, Ignorance of the rope, that it is a rope, it's a classic rope and snake example in Vedanta, that I am not aware of it being a rope, ignorance of its rope nature. I think there is something there in, this, in the semi-darkness, and immediately I make an error. Error is born of ignorance. Vikalpa, imagined variously. Vikalpa, the Sanskrit word means imagined variously, mistaken variously. What are the various mistakes possible? Um Snake, somebody says there's a snake there. Uh, dhara, somebody says there's a trickle of water in the darkness there. Somebody says um, there's a twig or there is a, a, a mala, that means a garland discard, discarded from the temple. These are classic examples. Today we might think there's a computer cable thrown out there by mistake or something like that, you know. So, variously, errors, they're all errors. None of them is right. None of these are right. What is right? It's a rope Ignorance of the reality Leads to error Error is multiple The truth is one So the truth is that it's a rope And it's neither um, A snake nor a trickle of water In the darkness Nor a discarded garland None of them are true And then next verse 18th verse (laughs) Nishchitayam yatharajvam nishchitāyāṁ yatha rajwam. Vikalpo vinivartate. Vikalpo vinivartate. Raju reveticha dwaitam. Raju reveticha dwaitam. Tadvadatma vinishchayaha. Tadvadatma vinishchayaha. As illusion on the rope ceases and the rope alone remains. When the rope is ascertained to be nothing but the rope, so also is the ascertainment about the self. How is this illusion removed? How is error corrected? Error is corrected by knowledge. What happens? Knowledge comes, removes ignorance and the errors are automatically dispelled. Notice the source of error. The source of error is ignorance about the reality. Ignorance can only be removed by knowledge. What knowledge will remove ignorance? Knowledge about the reality. Whatever we are ignorant of, knowledge must come about that, not about something else. So if I am ignorant that it's a rope, then I must know it as a rope. Then only all the errors, multiple errors. Some thought it was a snake, some thought it was a trickle of water. All the errors will be dispelled at once, automatically. You don't have to do anything more about it. See, yeah this is a rope and snake so how does it apply to our situation remember our situation is what the one conscious yes the one existence consciousness bliss the self uh, that is experienced as the waker and the waker's universe as the dreamer and the dreamer's dream world as the deep sleeper and the darkness of deep sleep it is in one awareness alone all this is experienced yes there's a place here So, all these are experienced in one consciousness. That consciousness alone is the reality. So, the three, what are the three? Waker and Waker's universe. Dreamer and the dream universe. Deep sleeper and the deep sleep universe or the blankness, the merged universe of deep sleep. These are three errors. Like, Like the snake, like the... Um, twig on the ground like the trickle of water they are actually errors, they are not the reality their reality, the the background reality of them is the fourth one, that existence, consciousness, bliss which you are, the thurium, thurium reality waker, dreamer, deep sleeper and their respective worlds are superimposed, illusory, appearance the illusion will be Corrected once you know the self as it is. That I am the turiyam I am not the waker, not the dreamer, not the deep sleeper. But I am the turiyam Will it remove the appearance of the universe? No. The appearance will continue. But the appearance will be recognized as an appearance. After realizing yourself as the turiyam You will still see the world. You will still see the body. You will still have a mind. But that body, mind, mind, body and world... Will be recognized as appearances in the consciousness which you are. That will be the uh, that will, that is freedom. Samsara, error. Samsara is born of error. Error is born of ignorance. From ignorance to error, and error leads to samsara. Um, I am ignorant of the rope, and hence I see a snake. Ignorant of the rope, first stage. Seeing the snake, error, second stage. Then samsara, I am terrified of the snake, I am running away from the snake, all unnecessary. Because the snake is not there really. Another example, fall asleep every day in the night, so that's ignorance, sleep is equivalent to ignorance, we fall asleep. And therefore we are ignorant of the fact that in the waking world we are lying on the bed and sleeping. And we have a nightmare. The nightmare is in the category of error. In the nightmare, I suffer and do so many things. Uh, That is thus, that is samsara, dream samsara. How will that be removed? How will the snake samsara be removed? When you awaken to the reality, it's not a snake, it's a rope. Immediately removed. How will the dream samsara be removed? When you awaken to the waking world. The error of each state in the dream. In the error, it is valid as long as you see that only, and you do not see the background reality. Um, everything there is valid. Uh, in the dream, in the dream, if in the dream if a dog is chasing you, you better run away because you don't know it's a dream. <laughs> if it bites you, it's going to it's going to hurt. <laughs> so. The vevahar the transactions at a particular level of reality are correct as long as they are not corrected by no knowledge of the deeper level. When you wake up from the dream into the waking world, the dream is falsi- <coughs> falsified and it's gone. Uh, and when you, wake, when you see this rope as a rope, then the snake is falsified and it's gone. But remember, always the illusion may not go away. It may still persist. You may actually experience it. As long as you have a body projected by Maya, you will see the world projected by Maya. But the, what's the difference between us and the enlightened person? Enlightened person is literally the person who's got knowledge. The person who's got knowledge still sees the same world, still sees the same body and the same mind, but knows that all of them are nothing but Turiya. Sees the one Turiya in all appearances, in waking, dreaming, deep sleep. The one who knows gold knows what we call necklace and bracelet and ring they're all gold and gold is the reality and the gold is the thing that is valuable in them so the enlightened person knows that now a person who knows that gold is the reality gold is what is valuable still continues to see the necklace we say it's a necklace the person who knows that it is gold understands what you mean says yeah i know i know what you mean it's a necklace that's correct that's correct but the deeper reality is that it's gold. Yes. Does a
1: gunlighter person would they see that the world is appearance or would they see it it is um thurium? <coughs>
0: I don't so, ah. <coughs> If I show you a golden necklace, do you see it as gold or do you see it as a necklace?
1: We see
0: yeah. You see the necklace name and form, right. and you know that it is. You are wearing it. Are you wearing? A, no, you are not wearing a necklace. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, so uh, if you see, if you say I am seeing a necklace, you'll say yeah, it's correct. If I say I am seeing gold, you'll say yeah, that's correct. So if I ask you, uh, are you seeing a necklace or I am see or are you seeing gold? would say it depends. What you, what do you want to know? I, I, if you are asking about the ornament, yes, it's a necklace. If you're asking what material is it, yes, it's gold. Hmm. So if you ask, is the enlightened person does the enlightened person see men and women and uh, uh, you know cars and streets and Manhattan? Yes. Does that person see Brahman, the Thuryam, the existence consciousness place? Yes. <laughs> Then what's the difference between that person and us? We see only Manhattan. We, we don't see uh, it as Brahman. Because we don't, we don't recognize Brahman here. Just as a person who does not recognize what gold is. If you show that person a necklace. That person will see a necklace. If you show that person a bracelet. Golden bracelet. That person will see the bracelet. But will not recognize the gold in the bracelet. Will not recognize the gold in the necklace. Do you follow the example? Yeah. Yeah. Of course it's easier, because we know both. Yeah. Why is it easier? That's why it's an example, where we see both. We understand both, that's why it's easier, that's why the example is given. If it could be seen here, you would be enlightened immediately. You wouldn't need to come to the class. <laughs> yes, here we are seeing the name and the form. But we are not seeing the reality. And what, what, the, what is the reality? Gold is an objective reality out there. It's a material. But what is the reality of this universe? What is the reality of the universe? No. Not an objective reality. Why not? Remember, Gaudapada gave the two, two causes of falsity. First cause, if it is an object, it must be false. What are what a radical thing? Drishya because it's an object. Why is it false? Because it's an object to what? It's an object to object of knowledge. It depends upon your knowing. It's an object to the subject. It is an object to you the experiencer. If it's an object it must be false. Drishyatva. Do you remember you must hold on to that. Because what's going to happen now is going to swamp you. Uh, Gorupada is going to give an entire range of different philosophies. Points of view. <coughs> religious, skeptical, uh, materialistic. All kinds of views are going to come. What have people... During Gaudapada's time or before that. How have they understood reality? And Gaudapada is going to. Give you a whole. uh, Selection of these points of view. I counted what's going to come now. 35 different philosophies. 35. He will just mm, throw them out before you. And say all of them. They are mistaken. Why? Not mistaken as far as they are themselves concerned. But from the point of view of the ultimate reality of Turiyam, They are all objects. They put forward some object or the other as reality. It cannot be the ultimate reality because it's an object. So all of these things that we see, they are all objects, therefore false. If it's an object, it must be false. Yet there is a reality. Put these things together. If it is an object, it is false. False means it's an appearance. And yet there is a reality. Then what is that reality? Relative mm-hmm. Put put it together. What I just you give you gave you the terms. Whatever is an object must be an appearance. False. So anything objective is what is objective is false. It, it, it's uh, it's an appearance, not reality. And it is not that there is no reality. There is a reality. After all, if I say appearance, you will say appearance of what? So anything objective is an appearance. It is false. Yet there is a reality. Now tell me which is the reality. The subjective. Yes, objective. correct. The subject. What other thing is there apart from the object? What, what other thing is there apart from the objects? Sub- subjects. Subjects. Yes, subjects. Subjects? Did did somebody say subjects? Subject. Why not subjects? If if there are multiple subjects, then you are a subject. Immediately, using the terms which I just said, there are multiple subjects. You are a subject, there is another subject apart from you, it will become an object to you. Being an object, it's false. Subject, singular, subject alone is the reality. That subject is called the fourth here, Turiyam. Seventh mantra, Sa Atma Chatuttam, Turiyam, the fourth. And what is that fourth? Atma, self, subject, you, the real you.
1: So, in this sense, the Ishta Devata that
0: you see outside is also false. It's going to come right now. Just as the rope is imagined in all sorts of false ways as a snake, as a trickle of water, as a crack in the ground. Similarly, the reality, the subject, is imagined in all sorts of false ways, including the personal God, the Ishta, Devata, and all which they will say. If you think it's an object, it's not true. Though, ultimately, from a Vedantic perspective, it's not an object. It is you yourself with a particular divine name and form. Yes. Yes, is an appearance. So, mm.
2: what that means is like whatever is not an object. Yes. That must be the reality. So it actually yes. Points towards it. It doesn't really tell me what it is, right? And then you talk about uh, one more thing, which is uh, anything which is impermanent is not real. Yes. So, it also doesn't tell me what is the
0: reality. Yes. It just points towards it. Towards the permanent, yes. So,
2: And then I think we also talked about um, <coughs> the difference between the the person who is enlightened and not enlightened is yes. that as a non enlightened person you see Manhattan. Yes. But uh, the person who is enlightened, uh, he will he or she will um, it will see Manhattan and it will know about the reality. Yes. We'll but it. the reality as I understand hmm. or as my mind understands is these concepts or like words or like names and forms. Hmm. So when I try to understand this like I, I have to like take support of these names and forms to Yes. So, how do I go beyond that? Because the reality cannot be expressed in these concepts. True. So, how do you get that breakthrough?
0: That breakthrough is the pointing, this pointing out continuously. It is possible, its only reason it is possible is because you are that reality. If it was a separate reality, Which you cannot access, you cannot see it, hear it, smell it, taste it, touch it. You cannot think about it, you cannot conceive it, you cannot grasp it through science or mathematics. You cannot grasp it through religion, completely unknown. There is no way of reaching that reality in that case. It is the thing in itself of Kant which is completely unreachable by us. But here, it is reachable. Reachable only within quotes Because it is you yourself. Not only you yourself, it is a continuously uh, revealed you. Swapprakasha, always shining forth. It is always self-expressed. Hence, if you if the pointing is successful, you will notice it immediately. It's there. Where is it? In every experience of yourself. Just as I said, the gold is there in every uh, ornament. Right? It is not the name and form of the ornament, but it's the reality of the ornament. Similarly, I can point out in this way. It is the reality of every experience that you have. What is common to every experience you have had in the world? What is not common? What is not common to the hundreds of experiences? Here is an experience you are having. Right? Here is an experience you are having. This is a sound. An experience you are having. Three experiences. One thing you saw. Another thing you saw. Another thing you heard what is the only commonality between all of them
2: experience. the one
0: but what is that experience sir self real if when you when you go back immediately you say self this is a word but what is what does self self normally mean to us you'll go back to the first chapter of mandukya Upanishad what does self normally mean to us you say this one in this one what is non objective is the body non objective is the breath non objective is the mind non objective why is the mind non object and uh, not an ob- uh, uh, not the subject because because, it, because it, it no because it's an experience right it is an object of experience is the intellect which you are using to understand all of them is the intellect non objective no no it's an object if you push beyond the intellect you go to a blank Nothing is that blank, non-objective. Still, object. Still, Still an object, because you're you're aware of it. Yeah, what is aware of everything from the blank down to the intellect, down to the mind, to the breath, to the physical body, and to the external world? What is the one thing? I'm not asking for an answer. I'm pointing. That's a,
2: that's a, yeah, so. yeah, and and that is exactly like I can
0: only always like point towards it when I'm
2: using my mind. Uh-huh. So it's a
0: mind which can point inwards towards it, yeah. but that one is you. Yes. It's not something apart from you which you are trying to reach. It is your re- own real nature which you are trying to grasp. Mm. All of this is ultimately understood not as philosophy. Certainly not as just religion. Certainly not as just philosophy. All of it is properly understood as a direct pointing to the reality within you. Even within you is a wrong use of terms. The reality which is you. Mm. The golden thread that runs through all your experiences. Throughout your life. Alright. Now it says. Nishchitayam yatharajwam. As the rope is ascertained to be a rope. Immediately all errors about the rope are dispelled. As the self is ascertained to be that fourth. That pure consciousness. See these, once you make that breakthrough. These words become immediately meaningful. Pure consciousness. Being itself. Witness consciousness. So, uh, experience itself. Very interesting. Uh, One of the Advaitins defines the ultimate reality, you, as Anubhava matram param brahma. The ultimate reality is experience only. Experience only means experience minus the changing names and forms. Anubhava Matram. Anubhava is experience. What is experience? All this. Hearing, smelling, tasting, touching, thinking, feeling, desiring, loving, hating. All of them are experiences. Minus the changing components. What's the background of all of it? That is Anubhava Matram. Experience only. Experience by itself or pure experience. That is one. And that is, the, that is what you are. That's the fourth. It's not waking, it's not dreaming, it's not deep sleep. It is the one underlying waking, dreaming, deep sleep. Which appears as the waker, dreamer, deep sleeper. Other than it, no waker, dreamer, deep sleeper. Alright. Once that is ascertained, then all errors are dispelled. When errors are dispelled, samsara goes. When we realize that it's not a snake, fear of snake, fear of snake increases. Vanishes. Fear of snake is directly related to the error that it's a snake. And this, that it's a snake is directly related to the ignorance of the rope. Fear and suffering in samsara is directly related to the ignorance, related to the error that I am the waker. I am this person in samsara. And this error is directly related to the uh, uh, ignorance of myself as turiya the fourth.
1: And ignorance is coming from the semi-darkness, that's the Maya,
0: right? Mm. Ignorance is not coming from anything. Once you recognize uh, that it's a rope, even semi-darkness cannot do anything to you. Uh, ignorance is uncaused. Ignorance is the cause. Yes. Ignorance, if you say, where is it coming from? It's coming from lack of knowledge of the self. Yes. Yes.
1: False, yes. Right. And when the enlightened person looks, yes. he or she still sees Manhattan yes. but knows that it is not uh, just Manhattan. Yes. My question there is, it's ultimately the
0: mind which is perceiving both. Right? Yes. Perceiving both means both now, what?
1: Where the enlightenment comes as well as where the ignorance is. Yes. Both are enlightenment. Yes. Now, when you say that anything that is experienced is false, then. The mind itself is always being experienced
0: by the hmm. subject.
1: Yes. Then where does this dichotomy end for the enlightened person? Because the mind still exists. And as long as the mind is being experienced.
0: Ah, mind exists, you say. Yes. Mm. There's a difference between mind and existence. It's like saying the ornament exists. Does it? No. I will say gold exists. Yes. And the ornament appears. What we normally experience is gold plus ornament. I say this is a necklace. No, it is gold plus necklace, name and form. Name, form and use. Nama, necklace. Form like this. Use, put it on your neck. Name, form and use belong to the ornament, but the reality belongs to gold. So if you really want to say what exists, it is gold which exists, not really the ornament by itself. The ornament exists depending on the gold. Because if you melt down the uh, necklace, the gold and make a bracelet out of it, what happened to the necklace? What happened to the necklace? Gone. What happened to the thing with uh, gold itself? Still the same. Existence belongs to the gold, not to the necklace. Knowledge of non duality is an experience. So if you. All experience involves the Atman, right? So experience continues. In all experience, you recognize the Atman. You are saying, when does it stop being an ornament and become gold? Yes, because that's. Ah, wait, wait, wait. <laughs> when does it stop being an uh, ornament and become gold? My, my answer will be, when is it not gold?
1: Yes. Right. So, so as a human, mm. knowledge has to dawn, dawn upon me, the knowledge of non-duality. Mm-hmm. And as long as I'm
0: aware of that knowledge, mm. it's
1: still an object, given, going by that definition, it's still Look, an experience. Yes.
0: So, where do we cross that
1: boundary where the knowledge doesn't stay an object, but, you
0: know. The moment the knowledge comes? It yes. See, you are already that which the knowledge will point towards. The knowledge will come in the mind and reveal to you that you are that Brahman. That knowledge which came in the mind still remains an objective knowledge. Mm-hmm. That itself becomes falsified. Not that you are not Brahman. You remain as Brahman. You, the moment the knowledge arises, you realize Aham Brahmasmi, And that is, you see, I always was, am and continue to be. This particular knowledge in the mind revealed it to me, pointed it out to me.
1: And then that disappears as well.
0: The- disappears means all knowledge is... Mind, including all the contents of the mind, they are revealed as appearances then. Does the knowledge remain as a separate reality? No, of course not. The knowledge points to you. Um, The example they give is, use wood for kindling a fire. They rub the two pieces of wood to kindle a fire. As the fire starts burning, you throw the wood into the fire. The wood which created the fire is also consumed by the fire. Yeah.
2: Consciousness gives only awareness, knowledge
0: is given by intelligence. You're pretty close. Consciousness gives awareness, these are from Vedanta perspective, these words are interchangeable. Consciousness, awareness, sentience. Intelligence belongs to buddhi. Intelligence is the function of the buddhi, the intellect. Thinking is a faculty of the mind. Exactly. That's what we have been trying to say for more than 125 years here in the Vedanta Society of New York consciousness alone Uh shines forth it reveals, shines forth and the various forms which appear and disappear in it including mind, intelligence prana, body, world they are names and forms the reality belongs to Turiya. the awareness belongs to Turiya. Remember, one, one, just one further thing. Here the light is there, it reveals so many things. But these things have an existence apart from the light. If you switch off the light, these things will still continue to exist. But in the case of Turiya, it not only reveals, it gives existence to those things also. It gives existence to the universe. A good way of understanding this is your mind in dreams. Not only does your mind reveal the entire dream world, your mind gives existence to the dream world. Are you with me? No.
2: Unlike this light, Yes. There's no intensity associated with consciousness. Mm-hmm. You can have a brighter light, lower light, gives you more brightness.
0: You have. Uh, you are right, but uh, but, uh, but you please stay with the point I'm making. I'm making a more important point here. This light does not give existence to what it reveals. Does this light generate you? Does this light generate the chairs and tables? It only reveals. Yes, consciousness is like that. One constant light revealing everything. But also further, consciousness does one more thing in in Vedanta. It gives existence to the very things it reveals. Satta purti. Existence and revelation.
2: Mm
0: -hmm. Not just alive. Isness, the very existence. Let me give you the example I'm giving. I'm giving. Uh, uh, oh, pardon?
2: That's only for live
0: being. No, 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 no. Everything. Let me. That's why I'm giving you the example. Please follow. The, uh, in your dreams, when you dream, your mind, the dreaming mind, it reveals all the things in the dream. Men and women, dogs and cats, stars and planets, whatever you dream of, it's being revealed. Right? So the, the mind illumines all entities in the dream. And gives existence to them. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yes. Right. Do you see the mind gives existence to all entities in your dream? Because without the dreamer's mind, if you do not dream, then the things that you saw in your dream, won't they disappear? Yes. Right? Now your dreamer's mind, does it give existence only to living beings in the dream? And yeah. it gives existence to everything. everything. Yeah. Similarly, Awareness, the Turiya they are talking about, gives existence and reveals everything in your waking experience, in your dream experience, in your deep sleep blankness. That's what he's saying. Once you verify the nature of that that consciousness, that existence consciousness, that's why it's called Sat and Chit. Once you verify the nature of that, all the errors of thinking that I am a waker experiencing a waking universe apart from me. There's space here. Come, come, come. Come here. Sit down. That all errors will be corrected once you realize that I am the Turiya. But it will still continue to appear. It will appear exactly like this. That's what I'm trying to say. Eyes will still see forms, ears will still hear sound. Skin will still touch, mind will still think, memory will still work. All of those functions will continue. You will realize it all to be none other than me the Turiya, not me the body.
2: Yeah. Me, then why, why are individual experiences different?
0: Because exactly? your very well uh, question, note your question. Mm-hmm. At this stage, if you will if notice, if you get what, what Advait is trying to say, all these questions have their own answers. Look at the language you used. Why are individual experiences different? What is individual? That consciousness from the particular point of a single body mind. Immediately you'll have a different perspective. But I mean this, this, this color, is yeah. my
1: experience of this color is different from your experience of this color?
0: Probably not if our eyes are functioning very well, no but different, defi- definitely, <laughs> but yeah, what what, what uh-huh, yeah. But yeah, if you're colorblind, but if you're saying, I'm saying something here, and there are many people here, many people are hearing different things, the sound may be the same, but the understanding is different, the retention will be different, yeah, so this is individual difference. Why is this difference there? Because minds are different, the filters through which the organs through which you are perceiving it is different. Go back to the very question of individuation. Where does the consciousness become individuated? Mm. Because at the very level, at the causal level, Maya has parts. Ignorance has parts. From there, from causal level onwards, differentiation starts. Beyond that one consciousness only. Yes? Uh, So I
1: am trying to understand this. the enlightened person uh, would
0: be somebody who can lodge themselves in the Turiya state. They, no, they don't lodge themselves in the Thurya state. They, they, are aware, they understand. They understand they are the Turiya all the time. So they always they, have been. So then it would lead to a
1: kind of detachment.
0: Yes, yes. Correct, correct. Correct. You realize that none of it, it affects the world, objects there, it affects the body, it affects the mind also. But it, it doesn't affect me. The Thurya, yes. And
1: not like grasping and wanting and
2: so you,
0: you would, will
1: see it as gold and not the necklace because yeah. you see that the necklace is part of the yeah. ego part
0: of like wanting right you will see it as gold and also the necklace but you will not be stuck on to the necklace name and form you you realize it's not real because if somebody comes and tells you it's a necklace you understand what that person wants to say you are not you can it's not that you're ignorant of the difference between a necklace and a bracelet but you see a deeper reality that is gold Thing, detachment will come you realize that uh, yes you will not only float between all three all three will float in you ah, yes you are that and so you rest in a, a kind of serenity comes over you and a kind of it's not alienation kind of oneness comes over you because everything is in you everything that you experience is in you the consciousness in you the ob- subject the pure subject Yes. Uh, I'm glad people are beginning to use language like this when I use the mind. <laughs> Good. <laughs> this is the first step in Advaita, to take a step back from body-mind. Yes, when you use the mind. So when I use
2: the mind to like, think or reason about something,
0: yes. to distinguish, like, right.
2: like use Vivek. So all of the concepts which come like they, they have this element of time. Which yes. Is, which is unreal, hmm. by um, Advaita unreal. So, um, so now, taking that back to the the ultimate reality, hmm. um, the the very act. So uh, a few minutes back, you are talking about the the light reveals. So th- there is an act of revelation and there is an act of existence. Hmm. But those two are not separate. Hmm. They, I mean, the, my very act of
0: so far, being existing so far, I'm agree- one with you. But I'll just make a little correction. That revelation. And existence are not acts. They have no beginning in time, they have no end in time, and they are no effort involved in them. Yes, so they're not acts. They are the reality in which acts appear and disappear. Yeah.
2: yeah so, th- so what I was trying to say was, uh, because my mind thinks like that, like my mind likes to think in, in time, mm. right? and so when I like, try to uh, point or like, figure out like, what this ultimate reality is, uh, I try to think in terms of like it, ex- it exists and it also experiences, but and these two are like separate things, but
0: they uh, are not. Uh, like the, the
2: I mean, words. Are, I mean, I'm not able
0: to put it in. Good words. that you're not able to put it in words means you're coming close to the reality, because otherwise, whatever the mind puts in words is false. It is uh, an incorrigible liar from the from the Advaitic point of view. Not its fault because it functions in time, space, and causation. Right. To you, I'll say one thing. Experience. In fact, it's for everybody. Notice the language he uses. Act of experiencing. Experiencing, there are two types. One is an act. One is what is called a changing seer. The one which sees, here, right? To see something you need to act. You have to focus your eyes. You have to connect your mind to pay attention to what you are seeing. And then cognize. Bring your memory into play. The ego into play. Then I say I am seeing a book. It's an act. It's very much an act. Right? So this is the changing seer. The subject. Us. That's what we are used to. What Advaita is speaking about is an unchanging seer. Even the word seeing is used um, uh, uh, in, in an implied sense like the sun shining although the sun shining itself uh, f- practically speaking it's tremendous activities going on there so I'm not speaking about that it's like an unchanging light not an action that's going on that's what Advaita is pointing towards that unchanging light the, it's the ultimate seer It's called seer only with respect to the objects which appear and disappear in it. But in itself it's not even a seer. It's very nature is of the nature of illumination. The mind comes before it and is revealed by it. The senses come in contact with the mind. And through the mind and senses, that ultimate seer becomes a changing seer, the one which you are talking about. That pure consciousness now becomes Seer, hearer, smeller, taster, toucher, um, thinker, uh, the person who remembers, uh, a lover, hater, desire, a person who desires, all of these are activities. And these activities are because of the changes in the mind and the senses. But behind all of them is one unchanging consciousness. So they talk about um, two kinds of seer. And the changing seer, which is a person, and the unchanging seer, the Atman.
1: So that's what we have to also realize. Is my mind is saying I, I don't have any attachment. I am the conscious. Uh, hmm. Is it without? You know, again, you can't experience that. So whatever that unchanging seer. How it come, you know, beyond the mind?
0: And how can you experience it? Yeah, I mean you can experience it. Let me ask you: How can you see your eyes? I can see. I like mirror. Look at the mirror. Mirror. Even the mirror you are seeing with your eyes, yeah. and what you see in the mirror is a reflection of your eyes, not the eyes themselves. No, Even to see the mirror and the reflection, you need the eyes, right? right? In one sense, is it not seeing anything is, within quotes, seeing the eyes. An experience of eyes is what? Seeing anything. The proof of the existence of the eyes. The eyes reveal everything that can be seen. Right now, you are using your eyes. Do you need to see a mirror to see if your eyes are still there? No. The very fact that you can see all these things is a proof that you have got eyes. And you are, the eyes are that you are using them. Similarly, the very fact of any kind of conscious experience points to the fact that you are that unchanging consciousness. <coughs> you cannot objectify it. That's what we are saying. Thank God, because God, of God has already proved whatever is objective is false. false. If you could objectify the Turiya, now I've got the Turia. False.
1: But you name it. Isn't name and form definition of an object?
0: Go back to now, I'll subcontract out my job to you <laughs> Seventh mantra of the Upanishad, Abhyapadeshyam, beyond name. Uh, it cannot be named. You
1: just named
0: Atman. Yes. Did I name it? I used a word. Remember, the word should referen- refer to something. When I say book, I used a word, word. Is the act of naming the book successful? Yes. Why is it successful? When I show you the book, you say, here it is, what you named. When I say Turiya, point it out. What did I name? When I say Atman, Brahman, point it out. Reference. It didn't succeed. We are using terms. You are using language. But it's not, it's not in the sense of any other, other use of language. Pointed. Yes.
1: Pointed.
0: For an enlightened person, it points to a reality. For us, we are just discussing concepts. We exactly don't know what it refers to. If you knew what it refers to, you would be a Brahma right now. I use the word book, you immediately know it refers to this. You are a book gyani. you are enlightened about a book. If I say Turiya and you know what it refers to, you are enlightened, Jivan Mukta, right now. So the act of naming has failed in this case. But it is a strategy used by the scriptures. Remember, we have to refer back to my talk, Advaita Vedanta and the paradox of language. It's on YouTube why you cannot name it why you cannot name that absolute reality i will not launch into that now why you cannot name that absolute reality and how do the scriptures vedanta uh, not only vedanta the buddhist teacher who was here the the tibetan buddhist tradition madhyamika buddhism they come from exactly the same perspective
2: Mm.
0: nagarjuna says the ultimate the Shunyata is ineffable beyond language and yet the only thing we have at our disposal is language. All these books are language. Then how do they refer to that? So they have developed strategies. About five different strategies are found in Vedanta. You know them actually. For example, Neti Neti. I cannot speak about the ultimate reality. But that doesn't prevent me from, speak, from saying what it is not. Hmm? The whole tenth man strategy. Do you remember the story, the tenth man? We kept on discounting, you are not this, not this, not this. We kept on pointing to things which we can pointing to and denying it. In the hope that finally you will catch, the 10th man has to catch, I am the 10th. All right. Now, what happens now? The, the, come to the 19th verse. Not knowing the reality about the self, it is imagined error in multiple ways. So, there are many, many theories about the ultimate reality, 36 of which, 35 of which will be detailed now, or at least mentioned now. They will make a mistake, take something objective to be the self, or something objective to be the ultimate reality. Various theories about the world. Philosophical theories, uh, materialistic, skeptical, religious theories, all of them will come now. And Gaudapada will take them up and dismiss all of them one by one. I counted 35. It starts with 19. Pranadibhir prana anantaishca Pranadibhir ananta bhavir Bhavirtair vikalpitaha Bhavere Māyeśātasya devasya Māyeśātasya devasya Yaya sammo hitaswayam Yaya sammo hitaswayam Not knowing the true self. The true self itself is now imagined, experienced, in multiple ways, as different objects, like Pranadi as the personal God. Prana here means Hiranyagarbha, the first projection, yeah, the cosmic mind. Before that, Ishwara is there, consciousness plus Maya. Do you remember? Yeah. What is Hiranyagarbha? Do you remember the three, st- the, I'll never forget the, the structure of the Atma, has four aspects: waker, dreamer, deep sleeper, and the real Atma, the fourth. The waker, the cosmic waker is called Virat, uh, the individual waker is called Vishwa, the cosmic dreamer is called Hiranyagarbha, the individual dreamer is called Taijasa, the cosmic deep sleeper is called Ishwara, uh, or deep sleeper means causal power, Maya, consciousness limited by the causal power, Maya, and us, the deep sleeper, consciousness, Pragya. In reality, these three are nothing but Turiya, the fourth, which you are. Now, what is the first manifestation? In ignorance, what is the first error? Or, You know, you don't say Ishwara or Pragya because that's not manifested, that's a blank. In deep sleep, that's the causal level, that's where everything comes from. But that's not an object which you are experiencing other than blankness. There's nothing happening there as such. The first happening comes in your dream state. As you emerge from the darkness, see always in Vedanta try to experience it subjectively, from your point of view, how do you experience life? Ask yourself, I experience life as the nothingness of deep sleep, emerging into the dream world, emerging into the waking world and again going back into sleep. That's how I experience it. So for me, blankness of deep sleep is replaced by the dreams of my dreaming mind, is replaced by the experiences through the senses of the external world, again covered over by sleep, I, the consciousness, keep on experiencing these things, that's how you experience it. So what's the first thing that happens, something's happening, dreams from the darkness of deep sleep. Yes. What about, maybe it's the wrong place to ask at the wrong time, what about foretelling dreams, how do they feel in <laughs> Oh that, we have discussed it a number of times here, yes. So some dreams, remember the dream world is not, is not completely dissociated from the physical world. It's not just a private affair that you are having in your mind. As the physical world is also, though our bodies are separate, still they are part of an ocean of matter. Is it not so? In some way we are connected. You, will not, you might find it icky, but it's the same air which we are breathing. <laughs> it's the same environment which we are sharing. Similarly, it's the same mind, there's an ocean of mind, it's not that our minds are completely divorced from each other in private. There's an, there's an un- underlying ocean of mind, a cosmic mind, of which our minds are, um, are appearances in that cosmic ocean of mind. So sometimes, though our dreams are usually connected, are created out of our own impressions of the waking state, but sometimes there is a seepage from the cos- cosmic mind. And there are things which come into our mind, which are actually related to the external reality also. From the cosmic mind, something comes into the mind which, you, as a dream and which actually you experience in your waking state when you wake up, the thing happens. You dream about somebody you have not met for 20 years. You wake up and that person is ringing the do- bell at, at your door that very day. So the dream, you will say it, for, it foretold, it actually predicted something which happened in the waking state. Does that answer your question? Uh, no,
1: it goes beyond that.
0: Yes. Uh, if
1: you if you actually dream of an event in the in the future, something that will happen, or uh, a woman being pregnant, and you you see the child, and you see the actual soul that will come in, you see the gender, and the next thing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Something something very vivid and very true. Yes. Yeah. Right. That's what you mean. Yeah. Yes. That can happen. That can happen, well, because. Yeah, yeah, it can happen. It can happen because uh, all of these things are visualized in the mind of God, the cosmic mind, which is which you are talking about. So sometimes it may seep into our minds and most of the dreams do not mean anything much about the external world. But some of those dreams may actually predict something very real, something that is actually happening in the external world. It's possible. Purpose, uh, what's the purpose of anything? Uh, yeah, <laughs> that, that points out, that tells you something about your uh, waking life. But remember, let me point out something. Here we are talking about something much higher. Let alone a dream telling you something which is going to happen in your waking life. Actually going to happen in your life. The entirety of waking life is also regarded as a dream here. Yeah? Why? Because whatever happens, t- you predict a child to be born and you know the gender and it all turns out to be real. You see it happening. Gaurapada will only say, did you see it? Yes, it's false. <laughs> false not in the sense of one thing is true in the waking life, another thing is false in the waking life. Yeah. It is true that what you are seeing here is Manhattan. It is false that what you are seeing here is Mumbai. It's not Mumbai, it's Manhattan. So this is Manhattan is true. This is Mumbai is false. This is true and false in the waking state. But both the fact that it is Manhattan and the dream that you had it is Mumbai both are appearances and from Gaudapada's point of view equally inconsequential. Gaurapada, we must uh, imagine, we must understand what level we are speaking of here. To Gaurapada, religion, science, the the most fundamental discoveries of life, the most important things of life are equally inconsequential. What is consequential then? You the experiencer. Ultimately, whether it is a true dream or a false dream or the greatest thing in the world outside, isn't it all in relation to you? You must experience. Even if God appears to you tomorrow, look at the language, appears to you. All right, let's go ahead now. Let me make an entry into the. I thought I would finish the 36, 35 philosophies today. <laughs> we, are not, we have not yet started with even one. In multiple ways is this self not knowing itself. In multiple ways, Is it uh, projected outwards in multiple ways and taken to be the reality? What are the multiple ways? He starts with the most tremendous one of them. The Hiranyagarbha. The deity in which we worship God. Um, So the first projected Hiranyagarbha. Prana. Prana here means Hiranyagarbha. Adi etc. By etc he means the entire subtle universe. Entire physical universe. Subtle universe. Mind. Thought. Emotion, intelligence, life, prana, physical universe, matter, energy, space, time, all of it. These are all, according to him, errors, mistakes, appearing. Errors in what sense? Errors because you take them to be an external separate reality. That is an error. Not knowing what you are. If you knew what you were... That pure consciousness, and then all of these are experienced in that. That would be a true, true statement of the truth. Yeah. is
2: the same as cosmic mind.
0: Cosmic mind, consciousness plus cosmic mind is Hiranyagarbha. Literally speaking, uh, in our in our scheme of things, do you remember that Turiya with the entire co- uh, subtle name and form of the universe? So, what is the subtle universe? What is the subtle body? Mind. 19 parts are there: mana, buddhi, chitta, ahankara, mind, intellect, memory, and ego. The five pranas, panchaprana, the five subtle organs of perception, the five organs of action, 19 altogether. This is the subtle body of one person, of all beings. So the entire universe of thought and, uh, uh, and uh, understanding, sentience, and uh, um, that is intelligence and memory, desire, all of that which constitutes our inner universe, yours and his and hers all together, that is cosmic mind. Consciousness with that cosmic mind is called Hiranyagarbha. Does it have its own existence? Oh yes, does your mind exist? You seem to be doubtful. Yeah. Yes, of course it does. If your mind exists, the cosmic mind also exists. Yes, it does. You, you, you know what you're asking? Does the universe exist? And the universe exists. In, your, in our practical sense, the universe exists. Can you take a look see who's there? In that sense, the cosmic mind also exists. In that sense, Maya also exists. But ultimately, their existence is derived from Turiya. Only one thing is real. Okay. The cosmic mind is different from the ultimate Brahman. Of course. Just as your mind is different from you, the consciousness. You the consciousness, you are the ultimate Brahman. And you have an individual mind. All these individual minds put together is the cosmic mind. But it has no existence apart from Brahman itself. Just as you say one necklace is it different from the gold? Yes. It's different from the gold because the necklace has no reality uh, along with the gold. All the necklaces in the Tiffany's showroom, are they different from the underlying gold? Of course. Gold is the reality which is appearing as those necklaces. Similarly, mind is one kind of ornament. Body is another kind of ornament. But the reality of all of them is existence consciousness, please. All right. Still haven't started. All right. All right. As Cosmic Mind and everything else, all of these entities are projected by Maya. Maya Esha Tasya Devasya. Whose Maya? Whose power? Power of that Brahma. Deva, that bright being. Bright being. Deva literally means Dhyotanath Deva in Sanskrit. The bright being. Bright being literally means consciousness. That which shines. By its own Maya is projected what? The cosmic mind. The physical universe. Uh, Hiranyagarbha, Virat and individual bodies and minds and this entire non-living universe. Everything is projected. Yaya Sammo By which is deluded. Swayam. That one alone. That Brahman alone is deluded by its own own Maya. We normally say Maya deludes all of us. That's the language we use in Vedanta. We are deluded by Maya into thinking this is real. But here he says that ultimate reality, Brahman itself, in a poetic manner of speaking, is itself deluded. Where is Brahman deluded? What is he talking about? He's talking about what you are right now. What are you? You are Brahman deluded. What is that? That's Brahman not deluded. That's all. That's the difference. Enlightened person and us, we are that same reality. As is Ramakrishna, uh, Sharada and Vivekananda, as is Durga hidden there. By Maya, (laughs) so it is that same Brahman, but they know, or that one knows it there, and here it does not know. That's why this the difference. Yes. So, what are the different, different ideologies, philosophies, belief systems about what? About reality, about ultimate reality. So he's going to give a list from twentieth verse onwards to 28 and I counted 35 philosophies or 35 theories or belief systems about what constitutes reality. Many of them a little archaic, something that prevailed 1400 years ago in India in Gaudapada's time but many of them are extraordinarily modern, some very much so. You'll you'll recognize it in the thought world here. He's talking about philosophies, theories. You'll recognize it in the thought world around us here in Manhattan today. And of course, remember, be established in that idea. I am the consciousness to which whatever is an object is an appearance. Appearance where? In you the consciousness. Appearance of what? Of you the consciousness. All of these are appearances in Thuria, in consciousness. And therefore, they are false. Appearance, the word appearance itself means false. He appears to be a good person. (laughs) Not a good person. Appears to be real. Not real. Then what is appearing? Something must be appearing. It is the Turiya, the fourth, that pure consciousness which alone is a. It is the subject which is appearing as the object. Everything in principle as an object must be an appearance. An appearance of what? (coughs) Of something which is not an object. Then what's the only thing which is not an object? The subject. What is that subject? The fourth, pure consciousness. Let's quickly have a survey of the thought world. Uh, The Encyclopedia of Philosophy in Godopada's time. 1400 years ago. One by one. 20th verse. Prana iti prana vedaha. Prana iti prana vedaha. Bhutani teacher, that bhutaniti a her Bhutani teacher, gunayiti guna, vidaha. a guna, with a her Tatwani teacher, Those who are experts who are who have the philosophy of Pranavit. Pranavit means the knowers of Hiranyagarbha. They consider the cosmic mind to be the ultimate reality. It's a deity which is worshipped. That is the ultimate reality. But we know it's not so. Because is it an object. To consciousness. In that case it must be not real ultimately. The second one is. The materialist. There was There are many schools of materialists in ancient India. And one of them. Um, considered the materials out of which the universe is made. Um, Space, the the ancient cosmology, space and air and fire and water and earth. Most ancient cultures had this cosmology and these materialists they didn't even think space is real. Why? Because you can't see space directly. So you can experience only the four evolutes. Air, water, fire, earth. So, these materialists considered only these four to be real. And they say that these are, these are the only realities in the universe. Ultimately, everything can be reduced to these elements. Four elements or five elements, whatever. But we know, the hammer blow, are they objects? Are you aware of them? Yes. Are they objects to your awareness? Yes. Then they must be false. Next, guna vidaha. No, he is talking about Sankhya philosophy. Sankhya philosophy says, the entirety of this universe is called, the source is Prakriti. Prakriti literally means, it's the word for nature in Sanskrit, in many Indian languages also. So, nature is the source of this entire universe. And what is nature itself? It says, made of three gunas. Sattva, Rajas, Tamas. I will not go into this, you have heard about it again and again. Sattva, Rajas, Tamas. Gaurapada has only one question. Are they objects? Yes. Then they must be false. They cannot be the ultimate reality. Tatvani teacher, tadvidaha. There is a school. Uh, the, it's a... Um, the Shaiva school. One of the Shaiva schools. It says there are three principles ultimately. Pashu. Pashupati and Pasha. So... Uh, Pashu. Pashu is the Sanskrit word is for animal, beasts. But um, here Pashu means jiva, all of us. So we are classified as animals, uh, as as, insen- as sentient beings under the control of Pashupati, the Lord of Pashus. So one of the names of Shiva is Pashupati. And we are all bound by Pasha. Pasha means rope. So what, is, what are these ropes? All sorts of things, mind and ego and pride and jealousy, we are contracted by impurity. So these are the the bondages by which that pure consciousness becomes bound. That consciousness, free of bondage, is called Pashupati, the Lord of Pashu. And within bondage, under the influence of the Pasha, the rope is called Pashu. Sri Ramakrishna in the Gospel. Once he refers to this philosophy, he says the word he uses is mukto jeeb, pash mukto pash jeev." Free of the ropes of bondages is Shiva. Under the influence of the bondages tied with, the, with these ropes is jiva. <sighs> so we are in bondage, jiva. The same reality. The same reality freed of bondage is Shiva. That's what the Shaivas call Pashupati, Pashu and Pasha. Pasha means rope. Pashu means us. And Pashupati means the free of the ropes. That means the wielder of, of this power. Three Tattvas. Are they objects? Yes. Yeah. Yes. That's no, how normally people understand them. Of course, if you go deeper into Shaiva philosophy, not so. In Say Kashmir Shaivism, for example. But anyway, in general, are they objects? of ob- Objective reality? Yes. Then they are not real at all. So they are to be rejected. Tatva-niti-tattva-vidha. Three tattvas. 21. So we have already dealt with four big systems of philosophy. One is the worshippers of Hiranyagarbha. The second one is the materialists. Third one is the Sankhya. The fourth one is the Shaiva. They will come back again in different forms. 21st. Pada iti pada Vishaya iti tad vidaha Vishaya iti tadvidaha, loka, loka, loka iti loka vidaha, Deva iti loka vidaha, Devayiticha Cha Tad tadvidaha. The first one is which considers the four pathas to be real. What does this mean? According to these people, What you said in the Mandukya Upanishad, you are talking about Mandukya Upanishad, yes, yes, that's real. That's what we consider to be real. What is real? The waker and the waker's universe, first aspect. The dreamer and the dreamer's universe, second aspect. The deep sleeper and the deep sleeper's merged universe, third aspect. And the pure consciousness turiya which you are talking about, the fourth aspect. These four aspects are the ultimate reality. Isn't this what you said? So we accept it. Is this what we said?
2: No, he (laughs) said to
0: hear. Right. It it sounds it sounds like he's talking about the Mandukya Upanishad. No, he's not. He's making a big big mistake. Upanishad says that the self you have four aspects: waker, dreamer, deep sleeper, and the fourth one. And then goes on to say the first three are appearances of the fourth. It's like saying. There is, what is the ultimate, uh, the, there is necklace, bracelet, ring and gold. And if you ask the question, what's the reality here? And somebody says, oh there are four realities. There is a necklace, there is a ring, there is a bracelet and there is something called gold. Wrong. There is only gold which appears in these form, three forms. Similarly, there is only Satchidananda, you the Thuriam, appearing in these three aspects. But here, what is he saying? The four aspects which you have taught in the Mandukya, that is the reality. No rejected vishaya this, iti tadvidaha. this is another form of charvaka which says the these are the sensuous enjoyment what we experience through the senses touch taste smell sound ultimately this is the reality of our lives so this is this is what is to be pursued so they had a master Vatsyayana, he is well known as a, the composer of the Kama Sutra. So, they, these people say that experiences through the senses are the ultimate purpose and reality of life. We say no. Why not? Is it an object to you, the consciousness? Yeah, of course. Experience has to be an object. Good. Dismissed. <laughs> Lokaiti Lokaveda, Loka the next one says... The Vedic worlds Earth The higher heavens and the highest heaven So in all the, the Vedic uh, you know, The ritualists They will chant the mantras the Gayatri Bhur bhuva savitur Bhur means this World of men The human world Bhuva is higher heavens Swaha is the highest heaven These, these are their realities Are they objective? Can you experience them objectively? Yes dismissed no there are others very dedicated in those days Vedic practitioners in Gaudapada's time who were worshippers of the Vedic gods so Indra Varuna and all of this Agni and so that is the point that is the highest reality of the universe same question are they objects yes they are objects that means object of worship for example then they are not to be considered As the highest reality. Now, remember one thing as we cruise through all of these and nonchalantly dismiss them, which are revered systems of belief, or some of them are very well thought out, very comprehensive systems of belief with their own literatures, he is not being contemptuous. What he is saying is these things may have an internal validity, they may actually be experienced. So somebody may actually experience higher heavens, somebody may worship Indra and have a vision of Indra, somebody may worship the, the Vedic gods and get boons fulfilled, it may work in your day-to-day life, it may actually give you results, somebody may be, a, um, uh, may be pursuing a sensual enjoyment um, through arts or through refined enjoyment of uh, you know, sense pleasures and will get the pleasure accordingly, but that does not mean that these are the ultimate reality. If you put them forward as the theory of ultimate reality, this is what is real in life, this is what is really valuable in life, no, no. They have their use and they have their benefit, this is not denying, he is going to talk about many things which are apparently quite real and effective and yet he dismisses them. He is not saying that they are not valid in their own sphere, they are, they can give you certain results in their own sphere definitely, but they are not the ultimate reality. Not only that, t- take them to be the ultimate reality, you are trapped in samsara. Any one of these you take into the ultimate reality, you are trapped in samsara. Yeah. What is the ultimate reality? You are the ultimate reality. Then next. We are making good progress now. <laughs> Twenty second. Veda iti veda vidaha Veda iti veda vidaha Yagyai teacher tad vidaha Yagyai teacher tad vidaha Bokta iti Bokti teacher boktri vidaha Boktri teacher boktri vidaha Bodjami teacher tad vidaha Bodjami teacher The Vedic scholars, even now you will find, spend their whole um, effort in memorizing and chanting the Vedas. So there are families in India, we even know that, that who have been give, entrusted with one branch of the Vedas. Uh, Dvivedi, two v- two branches, Trivedi, three branches, Chaturvedi, four, four branches of the Veda. and They, were, they don't do it nowadays but <laughs> the whole point was to memorize and preserve the Vedas and that became the sole purpose of their lives. Generation to generation across 30 centuries, 40 centuries, 3 to 4 millennia, they have preserved these traditions. It became the ultimate reality for them. So, this entire Vedic tradition, of which even this Upanishad is a part, by the way, uh, this is also a part Atharva Veda, Mandukya Upanishad, is that the reality? Gauravapada fearlessly says no, because it's an object. Magnificent object, magnificent object, no doubt, but still an object. So many of them, they will memorize and memorize and memorize. We have, have a branch in Math. kids who do this, memorize it. But you will see amazing, <coughs> this entire vast Vedic lore is there. They have got it uh, all here. So they must be really, really wise. No. They don't know what they have memorized. If you ask for the meaning, they don't know the meaning. In fact, there are Vedic there is a whole school of Vedic thought which says the meaning is not important. The sound of the Vedic chanting is enough to produce the results. It was a school of belief in ancient India. There's a whole philosophy associated with it, that the vibration produces the results. So the Vedic chanting, the perfect intonation is most important. Chant it properly, it will give you the result. Chant it improperly, it will give adverse results. There are many, many stories about this. there is uh, the story of we read it in amar chitra katha comics as a kid vritrasura the great demon vritra the king of the gods indra he offended a great sage uh, there is a story behind that also but we will not go into that and so and so the sage um, decided to destroy indra and he performed this great uh, vedic sacrifice and he was going to say from this infallible vedic sacrifice let the demon be produced who will destroy indra and that will ha- it has to happen to protect indra however saraswati the goddess of learning went on the tongue of the rishi and made him mispronounce it the, the mantra so the mantra is indra shatrun vaddhaswa let the destroyer of indra be uh, be, uh, be generated from this vedic fire now in sanskrit Indra Shatru. It means, pronounce it one way. It means the one who destroys Indra. Pronounce it another way. It means the one who is destroyed by Indra. So what really happened was Rishyasura was created, and there's a whole whole story about it. Uh, ultimately, however, that demon was destroyed by Indra. But all is traced back to mispronouncing the Vedic words. Um, so, sneaky. huh? Sneaky. Uh, sneaky. Yes. Uh, stealth. So. <laughs> Uh, but the point is, these are all objects of consciousness in awareness. Another branch of the Vedas were the Vedic rituals, vast, in, uh, you know, the Vedic sacrifices which were done. And that became the main form of religion in ancient India. In fact, during Gaudapada's time, it was undergoing a revival after the Buddhists sort of disappeared. They were beginning to disappear from India, and the Vedic ritualism was making a big comeback. Kumarila Bhatta was a contemporary at that time, so uh, they believe in yagya. yajna means the fire ritual. Even now in big Hindu worship, so for example Durga Puja, if I did it uh, in full uh, the full puja, I just did a shortened version for one day's puja, it's done in five days. Uh, I did one day's puja this morning in a very shortened version, just one and a half hours. Really if you do it, it goes to seven or eight hours every day. Then you would have to do a fire ritual also. That's still part of the bigger Hindu rituals. In ancient times, that was the ritual of the Hindus. The fire rituals. But anyway, our point here is, are they objective or not? Yes. Dismissed. Bhokte teacher bhoktrividaha. Again, I will not go into details here. Bhokta means experiencer. The Sankhya philosophy has two aspects. One is... What is experienced? What is experienced? Nature, Prakriti. We have already dismissed that. Gunas, the three Gunas. But who is the experiencer? According to Sankhya, consciousness is the experiencer. But according to Sankhya, experiencer is the nature of consciousness. What do we say? Connected to what I just said to him. uh, You become the experiencer with the help of mind and body. And the experiencer is an agent which experiences. But consciousness in itself is not an experiencer. It is an illuminer, illuminer. If you have the instruments of experiencing, then you will experience. Without the instruments of experiencing, you still remain as pure consciousness. Whereas, according to them, um, the consciousness is bhukta, always the experiencer. So, that idea, that is also dismissed. There is also an, there's an objective element in that. Bhojyam miti This confused me. See the problem with this entire range of verses is Shankarachari has not written any commentaries in this, this phase where Gaudapada picks, picks up all these philosophies and dismisses them quickly one after another. These karikas 20 to 28. Shankarachari has not written his very helpful commentary. Nothing. Blank. He skips this entirely. Um, because the principle is clear. But the problem is for us, at a distance of 15 centuries, which philosophical school is he referring to here? It must have been clear to Gaurapada and Shankara. It's not at all clear to us. Luckily, a sub-commentator, Anandagiri, (coughs) Anandagiri, he has given short notes on each of these schools. So that's where I am getting all the material from. Um, Original, Mandukya Upanishad. The verse commentary called Karika written by Gaudapada On that Shankaracharya's commentary called Shankarabhasya On that the sub-commentary written by Anandagiri called Anandagiri Tika So on that, in that you find these But here I, I was stumped because <laughs> this, this philosophy called the Bhodhyam The footnote here says the cooks, the philosophy of the cooks and I looked it up. Anandagiri also says the same thing. The philosophy of food. Now I understand if there is a philosophy of food, it is food objective? Yes, so it must be dismissed. So fine. But what is the philosophy of food? I have never heard of this. Finally, even Shankara could not help me, Anandagiri could not help me. I asked finally who else? Google. <laughs> That's why I was a little late. It's a big area today. The philosophy of food, the first thing which came up, University of California publication, the philosophy of food, 16 eminent philosophers write about the philosophy of food. So, okay, so it's a big area. I didn't know. Now I know.
1: It is, doesn't Ayurveda also yes. about food?
0: And of body. course, it does. So that was there. That's true. But the ph- philosophy of food, food in itself, yeah. Those who are knowers of what is to be eaten and what is proper food and all of that. If you say nutrition, of course. Philosophy of food, Park Shastra, of cooking. It literally says the cooks, philosophy of the cooks. Anyhow, objective, so dismissed. But so it is there. New York, a uh, famous philosophy of uh, cooking itself. I don't know what the philosophy, but... <laughs> <laughs> Gastronomy, yes. Gastronomy, the entire science of cooking. So for them it's a very important. Yes. Anthony Burden, who committed suicide a few months ago. Yes. Then more, more philosophies are coming up. 23. Sukshma iti sukshma vidaha Sukshma iti sukshma vidaha Sthula iti tad vidaha Sthula iti tad vidaha, vidaha Murta iti murta vidaha Murta iti murta vidaha Amurta iti tad vidaha Amurta iti tad vidaha four more philosophies. There are those who say the soul is an object, you are an object, but a subtle object, not body, not mind. Sukshma means anuparimana, like an like a particle, a particle of awareness, still an object. Who say that? Anandagiri says Digambaraha, that means the jains. So it is a jain philosophy that the soul is, um, is like a particle of consciousness. It gets covered by impurities and it has to be purified. He says, no, it can't be an object. It is an object to what? That pure consciousness must be the soul. Then others say, "Tula, No, no, there is no such thing as a subtle soul. There is no such thing as a subtle soul. It is the body alone. There is another variety of, they are called Charvakas or Lokayatakas. Very much today's philosophy also. It's the body alone. What's the ultimate reality? The physical body. No, no, what about mind, intellect? They are born of the activities of the brain which is part of the physical body. The mind has no reality of its own. It's just a byproduct of neurochemical activity in your brain. Yes. So, consciousness, pure consciousness, nothing of that sort. It's the brain chemistry. That's what's generating it. So ultimately the reality is the physical body, nothing beyond that and right now we are having this debate right here in Manhattan, yeah, the hard problem of consciousness, David Chalmers and all. So today the materialist outlook is, is, um, is triumphant, because mainly because of science, the, 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 um, the, the success of science and technology. So it's an age of science. And the, science, the scientific worldview right now is basically a reductionist material, materialist worldview. Ultimately, according to science, what is real? Matter. What is matter? Particles. What are particles? I mean, atoms and molecules. We you go even deeper, subatomic particles, neutrons, protons, electrons. Go deeper, muons, um, bosons. Recently, the this boson was discovered, and so many, uh, leptons and the different kinds of quarks. Now they are talking about super string string theory. Sometimes it comes into fashion, goes out of fashion. But basically they are subtler and subtler forms of matter. That's the one thing we need to know. And that is alone real. Matter, energy, time and space. That's what's real. Gaurapada dismisses that. Is it an object to awareness? Yes, It, it cannot be real. It cannot be the independent reality, it cannot be the foundational reality. Then comes another one. Murta iti murti vida. So, modern scientific point of view is not represented here, because Gaurapada did not know modern science, uh, 1500 years ago. But in principle, these thoughts were there. Not in the level of sophistication we have now. Murta iti murta They say the ultimate reality is personal God. What is the ultimate reality? It is, say Krishna or Vishnu, four arms and they have a very very particular view of what Vishnu is. Four arms, blue in color, um, lying on his eternal couch, the, uh, the serpent Seshanaga floating in the milk <coughs> ocean and that exactly is the reality. It's symbolic, it represents something, no 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 not symbolic, exactly like that. So for example, in the early days of the ISKCON, I was reading a book, Early History of Prabhu Prabhupada was here, right here, and he started this. Con- so somebody asked him rather incredulously, Are we to believe that God is a little blue boy? And his simple, uncompromising answer was Yes. God is a little blue boy. Not only that, so it's an entirely objective idea of God. Not only that, anything else? Can God be, for example, the Devi, Durga? Can God be Shiva or Jesus Christ or a formless Abrahamic um, Christian or Islamic God? No, no, absolutely not. It has to be that little blue boy. Why? Because Krishna said so, I am God. But Shankaracharya says when Krishna said I am God, he means I the pure consciousness. I am Brahman. I am the pure consciousness. Uh, As with my Maya, I am Saguna Brahman. I am an avatar of that Savuna Brahman. That's what he means. Shankaracharya is wrong. Plain. What do you say to that? They're plain. Wrong. <laughs> so, Murta, a personal God with a particular form is the ultimate reality. We do not, we are not getting into theological wrangles here. We are just saying, is it an objective experience reality? Yes, false. Dismissed. Remember again. Nowhere is he saying that it cannot happen, can suppose a Mira saw Krishna in that form, if you say, are you saying it's false? No, we are saying of course she saw Krishna in that form entirely believable, Sri Ramakrishna saw Kali again and again. every day he saw Kali. But what we are saying is that particular name and form, that objective thing which he experiences, that cannot be the ultimate reality, it's a name and form covering the ultimate reality. The ultimate reality is not an object of experience. It is, it is the very reality of Meera. It is the very reality of Ramakrishna. It is your own reality. It is the same reality. Existence, consciousness, bliss. So, it is not a particular form, an objective form. Again, all of them have their relevance because devotees will be shocked. You are dismissing all of that. Then he says those will be useful for devotees, you may actually experience them and there will be very good progress in spiritual life, but you cannot stop there. It's if until you realize yourself to be the ultimate reality, there is no freedom for you. Then tad Tadvidaha. Just the opposite. There are some who say, no God, then. Formless, everything is void. There is nothing nihilistic attitude. He says, No, that also cannot be. Who is the witness? Have you experienced this void? Yes. Then it cannot be real. <laughs> you, you the experiencer of the void must be the real. Okay, let us stop here. Next comes 24 onwards. So we'll stop here. Does he, does he uh, take up Buddhism?
1: and address
0: Yes. It? Actually here is one school, Shunyavada. But this is not really the school of uh, Shunyavada. Shunyavada does not mean this. What It uh, is a nihilist school. He will take up Vijnanavada later on. Uh, it will come up. So, this is what it is. Um, next time, remind me next time, I'll tell you. Uh, he'll, next comes astrology, which is very popular in India. Here too also, I think. So, Kalavida. Those who consider time to be everything. Time, auspicious time. Uh, the astrologer's time to be everything. Then will come space. Those who consider space to be the ultimate reality. You know, Vastu. <laughs> And so on. So many other theories will keep coming. But the principle is same. If it's an object of your awareness, it's dependent on that awareness. It's not, a, not the ultimate reality. Let's stop here. Om Shanti 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 Hari Om Tat Sat Shri Ram Krishna Rupanam Astu